Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Saturdays with Jenny. Every Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Right. Let's go to Songhezo Zibi, who is the head of communications and corporate relations of the ABSA Group. But uh, he is also the former editor of Business Day, which is where I first sort of came into into contact with him and was reading his editorials and things and he left far too soon um, but that's the way you know the media sometimes works and he's also written a book Raising the Bar Hope and Renewal in South Africa and I've got to say I've heard a rumour that he is writing another book so he joins us on the line Songeza, welcome to Kaya FM Ooh, that sounds absolutely horrible can you turn around? Yeah, of course I oh, can. Oh, hang on. I think that was better. Okay, I literally turned my head. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, turning your head in this instance sounds quite good because I want you to be clear because we're talking about two really interesting books. And is the rumor true that you're writing a new book? Yes, it's true. I am writing a book. And over the next few months, with the same publisher, Pen Macmillan. Okay. And hopefully uh, your listeners will get to find out more about it uh, closer to the time. Okay. All right. I mean, it's it's such bad luck to talk too much about it and to tell people what you're doing because somebody will pinch the idea. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, there are people with no principles but um, and empty pockets and they will take your idea. Now, listen, you, you gave us such a wonderful book last year because I asked you the same question. What, what were your favorite holiday reads? And I remember being so intrigued by, by the book that you, you brought up. Now, I know that there are two books that you want to talk about. Take us through them. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, I want to talk about two books. Uh, the first is A Promised Land by Barack Obama, and the second is by Bob Woodward of the famous Watergate story in the 1970s with President Richard Nixon. And it's his second book on the Donald Trump presidency, and it's called Rage. And I suggested we talk about both books because... They both about the American presidency. I think Obama's memoir of his first term, which is what he promised land is, mm. is very timely given what is happening in the U.S. and what Bob Woodward had to say about Donald Trump, who is Barack Obama's successor. So, so do you want to, to talk about them one at a time or do you want to talk about... Yes, let, let, me, let me talk about them one at a time, Jenny. Let me start with... Barack Obama's murmur. So I'll say three things about it. The first is I was surprised by the level of honesty in a memoir because often, especially with politicians who are worried about their legacies, uh, they tend to not reflect a lot on where they might have failed. And Barack Obama talks quite freely about his regrets while in office. Um, and while everybody has, spoke, has, has written and spoken about how he regrets not speaking out a bit more, uh, being more, more open, especially on race and other matters, one of the biggest regrets actually that he has, which is very profound in terms of his, his legacy, is that he did not, in his first days in office, ask uh, the Democrats who, who controlled the Senate at the time to get rid of the filibuster. And for the listeners who don't know what the filibuster is, in order to pass big resolutions in the Senate, they need a majority, they need 60% 
of senators to approve, not 50% plus one, which meant that during the rest of his, or the last two years of his first term and the rest of his presidency, he was just unable to get much done of mm. all the things that he had promised in the mm. election, which went on to cost him. But if you're honest, the second thing which was really inspiring for me, uh, Jenny, was, um, was his idealism. And he separates the reality of America from the idea of America. And he says he's, he's, he's still not ready to give up on the idea of America. As messed up as America is, and mm-hmm. as much as America is messed up in other countries, he is not, he's not ready to give up on the idea of America. And I think that's important because it grounds us in society and in politics when our leaders are able to be idealistic along with us as well. The last point I want to make on Obama, Jenny, is that he's also quite honest about some geopolitical issues. You know, sometimes you think there is a big scheme behind all sorts of things, but sometimes you find that it was quite comical, actually. It was it was the, the best of a situation that was actually quite bad and that people didn't quite know what they were doing. And he talk, talks about some moments in his presidency where they muddled through some really big uh, issues because... They were ill-prepared. They were trying to manage other risks and, and so on. Yes. Well, that's Obama's book. So can I just interject ever so slightly? I mean, it, it, uh, we're talking about the Paris Accord here, and uh, and I was I was absolutely mesmerised by his description of wandering around this enormous building and trying to find, um, I think it was the Chinese, and he finally yes. tracked them down. Uh, uh, but he's wandering with his whole entourage trying to find the Chinese because, <laughs> and I mean, and he burst, the, you know, the door burst open, he and he was behind it, and everyone was sitting there, including. Including Jacob Zuma, absolutely yes. stunned the President of the United States, and he found a chair and he pulled it up and he said, "Let's talk." And I mean, I just, I just loved that, and I also loved the way he he pulled his family into his memoir as well. So, so they 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 helped to ground him quite obviously as well. So there's a, a, a huge warmth and idealism there, and my goodness, do we miss him? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's solemnist, especially by by Americans who see what's happening in their own country. Uh, I think uh, one of the things I learned also is that you really have to know the background and childhood of the people that you work with. And with each of the people that he describes, all the way to his body man, Reggie, Reggie Love, he talks about their family, talks about their mom, talks about their grandma and so on. Because that gives you a sense of who the person is mm. and why they think the way they do. And I actually realize that even in my own life, I don't necessarily ask people all of that information. But he seems to, uh, to take the trouble to find out all of that. And sometimes that is pivotal in some of his decisions about who to appoint in his cabinet mm. or in other senior roles in the administration that you probably saw. Mm. So let's talk about let's talk about rage. By the way, that was Nelson Mandela as well. Um, always asking about your family, knowing the names of your children sometimes, and um, it, 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 he he was so warm. It was incredible. But let's talk about rage. And as I was watching uh, what was going on um, in Washington, I did think about you, and I did think about this conversation, and I did think about rage because it's got a. Sort of a half face of um, of Donald Trump on it, 
and this this rage that he carries with him. Um, and I was seeing rage just all over Washington. Yeah, it's actually, in fact, I'd recommend to the listeners that they get two books. They get Fury, which was Bob Woodward's first book on Trump, about, about how Trump came into power. For this one, Trump gave Bob Woodward incredible access to him. They spent hours and hours on the phone. Trump would call him back. Sometimes Trump would call him on his own, and he knew that the book could be harsh or unfavorable to him, but he would say, but that's okay. But one of the things that comes through, because Bob Woodward repeats many of the dialogues, because I see they're so much more insightful than anything that he could describe. Donald Trump is completely unhinged. He's mad. He is deeply narcissistic. He is highly incompetent. And I dare say he sometimes comes across as being either sociopathic or or, or psychopathic. Mm. He has no empathy. He has no ability to take in the environment around him for any reason other than what matters to him. And he's extremely transactional. I I don't know, because I realize that the thing about, about democracy is that it is a it is a contract based on trust, based on what a person says. Mm. Nothing more. And countries elect these kind of people and do enormous sense harm as a as a result. And I think it's that book is a lesson to all democracies across the world that we always have to be so discerning, so careful about who we give and we trust to, to run our countries. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're 100% right there. I don't know how you can distinguish. I mean, he, he was, he was barking, I think, uh, before he became president, but infinitely more sinister as time went on. And he seemed to me, and I haven't read the book, to have lost touch with reality. But well, let's go back to Songhez Zibi, who's the head of communications and corporate relations of the ABSA group. And we're talking about his holiday reads. So one of them, of course, um, is A Promised Land by Barack Obama. But the one that is getting me totally absorbed, and I haven't read it, is Rage, which sold 600,000 copies, by the way, in the first week. Uh, also went immediately to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, Woodward, who wrote, uh, you know, Bob Woodward wrote, um, he was involved with Nixon and the Watergate scandal. And he was described by CBS News as probably the best reporter of all time. So, Songhezo, let's just go back to to that comment that I, I, I made, that I just thought that Donald, I think the power that Donald Trump had, I think it unhinged him. I, I think it unhinged him, but there's an even more powerful quote uh, from Michelle Obama some years ago during the 2016 campaign. And she said, being in the White House does not change you. It reveals who you are. Mm. And I think that's exactly what has happened with, uh, with Donald Trump. He has always been like this. It's just that the public, uh, the section of the American public and the minorities, uh, by the way, uh, chose a president who appealed to their base instinct. Mm. 
And there is something to be said, said about, you know, Joe Biden has repeatedly said the words of a president matter because they can get people to do either good things or bad things. And all of us have a veneer of civility that can peel off and reveal an ugly side of us, depending on what the circumstances are mm-hmm. and who is holding the steering wheel in that situation. And that's why leaders matter so much. So I think Donald Trump has always been who he is. But the power, the power of being U.S. president has amplified those weaknesses before our eyes. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what a danger he is to the whole world, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yes, and how we're going to get out of that, I'm not quite sure. Or how America um, is going to get out of that, I don't know. But I don't envy Biden um, one little bit at all with this mess uh, in the States. This this book, presumably, I mean, it's quite a big book, um, but it's not so big. It was nothing like um, Obama's book, which is, what, 600 pages? Yeah, no, it's nothing like Obama's book, which is 600 pages. Um, but both of them, their styles of writing, I really want to write uh, like them when I, when I grow up because <laughs> they've got a, a very easy, engaging story uh, storytelling style. But with Bob Woodward in particular, he knows when to step out of the narration and allow the verbatim conversation to, 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 to proceed so that the reader gets a real sense of what the conversation was like and how Trump comes across and how inattentive he is. With Obama, on the other hand, and he told Oprah that he writes, or Trevor Noah that he writes in longhand uh, when he writes his books, he is very thoughtful, he is very deliberate. And I found that I went through both books fairly quickly because they were not dense reads. They're not like Thomas Piketty's um Capital, unfortunately, which mm. you really need to be committed mm. to, to read it. Mm. These read like long magazine features, which I think listeners will uh, will at least uh, appreciate. Okay, so anybody who's interested, I guess, in current affairs, because that's really what we're talking about, uh, current affairs and the lives of the high and the mighty, um, should find something in either of these books and possibly even both of the books. In fact, Obama's book is quite funny in many, many places. And I realize that we, he describes, uh, in fact, most most of the world leaders, but the most comical by far is Nicolas Sarkozy, who was a president of France. Apparently, he's quite an animated character. He says he was all over the map. His shoes had enhanced heels. So that he could have... that okay, just, just turn your head again. Sorry, I've turned my head. Okay, okay. Uh, let, let's just talk about Nicolas Sarkozy's heels. I'm sure he had them built up. He had them built up because <laughs> it's quite diminutive. And he talks about how animated he is. He's all over the net. You can never hold him to any one thing. He changes his mind often. But the manner in which he describes him is quite, uh, is quite funny. And you can tell that he's got very close personal relationships with these people, which is how he gets to at least uh, take a jab of the, uh, about them in that way. Okay, I'm not even going to ask you what you're reading at the moment. I'm just going to, we, we've got a short extract from Rage, so I want to play that now, but uh, stay on the line to listen to it or just listen to it um, on whatever device you're listening. But I've absolutely loved talking to you and uh, and I think it's time for a coffee. I really do think it's time for a, a coffee and a conversation. 
Yes, do that. I would absolutely love that because I want to know more, a little bit more about your book and about all sorts of things. Songeza Zibi, thank you so much for chatting to me. Thanks very much, Jenny. Thank you. So let's go to, uh, this is just a short clip from Reg, and uh, many thanks to Audible. And of course, just remember, if you go to Audible, you can download the whole of the book and just listen to it. During the top secret President's Daily Brief, the afternoon of Tuesday, January 28th, 2020, discussion in the Oval Office turned to a mysterious pneumonia-like virus outbreak in China. Public health officials and President Trump himself were telling the public the virus was low risk for the United States. This will be the biggest national security threat you face in your presidency, Robert O'Brien, the national security advisor, told Trump, expressing a jarring, contrarian view as deliberately and as strongly as possible. Trump's head popped up. He asked the intelligence PDB briefer Beth Sanner several questions. She said China was worried and the intelligence community was monitoring it, but it looked like this would not be anything nearly as serious as the deadly 2003 Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, outbreak. This is going to be the roughest thing you face, persisted O'Brien from his seat around the Resolute desk, well aware that Trump was only midway through his impeachment trial in the Senate, which had begun 12 days earlier and was consuming his attention. O'Brien believed the National Security Advisor had to try to see around corners, a duty to warn of an impending disaster. And this problem was urgent, not some geopolitical issue that might happen three years down the road. This virus could develop very quickly in the United States. O'Brien, 53, a lawyer, author, and former international hostage negotiator, was Trump's fourth National Security Advisor. He had been in the key post only four months and did not consider himself a pound-your-fist-on-the-table kind of person, but he felt passionate that the outbreak was a real threat. I agree with that conclusion, said Matt Pottinger, the deputy national security advisor, from a couch further back in the Oval Office. Trump knew Pottinger, 46, who had been with the National Security Council staff for three years since the beginning of the Trump presidency, was uniquely almost perfectly qualified to deliver such an assessment. His warning was authoritative and carried great weight. Pottinger had lived in China seven years and had been a Wall Street Journal reporter there during the SARS outbreak. A China scholar, he spoke fluent Mandarin. Affable, profane, and a workaholic, Pottinger was also a decorated former Marine intelligence officer, a job that culminated in co-authoring an influential report about the inadequacies of U.S. intelligence agencies. Pottinger knew firsthand that the Chinese were masters at concealing trouble and covering it up. He had written over 30 stories about SARS and how the Chinese had intentionally withheld information for months about its seriousness and vastly understated its spread. Well, if that's got you sitting on the edges of your seats, you're just going to have to go to audible.com and uh, you can download the whole book and you can just listen to it on your device, whatever you want to do. Uh, alternatively, of course, you can read the book. And uh, and what I love about both of these books is the behind-the-scenes information that you are getting. Um, Barack Obama's book, I mean, he takes you, he tells you his favorite walk in the White House, his sense of sitting down in the Oval Office for the first time, some of the meetings he 
he has there and and as um, as Songeza was saying his descriptions of some of the people that uh, that he meets some of the world heads and and whatever he's he's very tactful all the time but he does have a sense of humor so both of these books I think are absolute winners so a promised land by Barack Obama and that is available absolutely everywhere and shop around the prices differ radically sometimes by as much as a hundred rand so shop around uh, with a promised land and rage is also um, an expensive book but i i urge you to shop around because you might find some very good prices and the major chains cna um, exclusive books etc etc they also differ so look online um, check them out and whatever because i think these are going to be books that some of you are going to be absolutely love reading Saturdays with Jenny every Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.